0: Hello and welcome to another episode of Cloud Spotting. I can't believe we're already fast approaching the end of Q1. How did that happen? Sai, What have you been doing for the last quarter? I mean, surely you must have done something when you got out of bed. Trying I?
1: to look at the calendar, see where 2018 went. <laughs> how do we get to 2019? No, I'm still getting the date wrong when I write so it down. It's, yeah, it's disastrous. Uh, Q1, Q1 flew past. I, I still don't know how this year is going to go, but it looks like it's going to be gone. December is going to be coming next week. <laughs> You never know.
0: Um, so speaking of, uh, speaking of dates, the last time we actually uh, had our special guest, Tomasz, on with us, um, we were all preparing to scoff some sweets for Halloween. Uh, and I think this time around we've managed to tie in a nice little tidy food theme as well because it's the day after National Fat Day, is that right, in, in Poland at the moment, fat, fat Thursday, I think. Fat Thursday, that was yes, right. That's right.
2: That is correct, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Did you have a donut, Carolina?
3: No, unfortunately, I didn't. What about you? No. <laughs> but my mom was sending me pictures of donuts all day. Does well, that, that count?
0: Yeah, and I'm going to go with no.
1: <laughs> no. So, so yeah, shout out to all our Polish listeners. And hope all you all donuts. had a donut on Fat Thursday. Yeah,
0: absolutely. So, uh, for those people who haven't listened to our previous episode with Tomasz, Tomasz, do you want to just uh, give us a quick introduction to yourself um, and tell the listeners uh, who you are?
2: Uh, thank you, Alex. Thomas I'm um, solution architect, portfolio architect here in Rockspace. Uh, I work across all the technologies within the Rockspace, across all the clouds, work with the
1: customers uh, to address the business requirements of technology. Cool. And and I just found out today Thomas is an amazing diver.
0: Yes. <laughs> ah, you thank go. you. <laughs> we were fortunate enough today for, for those people who weren't part of the session with us, which would be all of our listeners, yeah, uh, yeah, Tomas is a, is a very advanced technical diver and he spent a good hour and a half with us today, um, talking us through how it happens. Quite amazing, actually. I'm really quite impressed. So, what was it just we're going massively off topic yeah. here, but what was it you so, got yeah. you into diving in the first place, Tomas?
2: Uh, I've always wanted to see what's underwater, uh, that was the first thing which hooked me up, and then it just went from there.
0: Cool excellent okay well we in which case uh so from diving to well no that's the worst segue ever so we're just going to go straight into
3: <laughs>
1: i think we should i think we should we should
3: so just dive into it
0: oh my word well, hey.
1: <laughs> clap going around um no, thanks for the call, you know, I think we really uh, need to go into it. So, let's let's kick it off from where we sort of got through to last time on the recording. We we talked about uh, content delivery networks. We talked about CDN. Mm-hmm. Um, really good episode. We went deep and we covered a lot of topics. Uh, unfortunately, we couldn't talk a lot about the security side of the cloud, and uh, that's what we're going to focus on today.
0: Yeah, so, I don't know how we thought we were going to get CDN, DDoS, WAF, and all that into like twenty-five minutes. Yeah, never, never going to happen. Happen,
1: was- Hence, we're going to go with the WAF side of things. So, this week is going to focus on WAF and DDoS as an episode. Uh, and we kick off with WAF. Okay. Uh, sure. And it is not well-architected framework. Let's rephrase that. Ah, we yes, always get point. this mixed up. I, I speak to customers sometimes and I talk about WAF and WAF. <laughs> and they're like, well, which WAF are you talking about? The WAF for your WAF. Yeah, the WAF for your WAF. Exactly. So, Tomac, let's kick off with WAF. What can you tell us about a WAF or a web application firewall is and why should we
2: use it? Um, That's a very good question, Sai. Web application firewall, it's another layer of security. Uh, Let's say on the top of the normal firewall, uh, we can can add to our solution to protect ourselves from some form of attack. So web application firewall is another appliance Mm -hmm. uh, which is specifically designed to protect web-exposed applications uh, from, well, from known application vulnerabilities. Uh,
1: as an example, uh, SQL injection cross-site script. So yeah, absolutely, so thanks for that. And uh, when we talk about WAF, we, we, we've heard the concept of firewalls, we heard the concept of IDS devices and IPS devices, and I know we're jumping points here, but I want to understand a bit more detail. Why do we need a WAF? Where do we put a WAF? In the whole solution that's a very good question so i
2: i'm personally a big advocate uh, for a layered approach to security and these days attacks become more and more sophisticated and the bad boys are exploring different types uh, and different routes to breach our systems Uh, hence uh we really need to stay on the top of our game when it comes to security, and we really need to make sure that we block every potential way of attacks. Uh, web application firewall is specifically focusing on the on the layer seven attacks. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's inspecting HTTP, HTTPS traffic, uh, where the traditional firewall uh, usually doesn't doesn't act. Uh, the usually, the typical firewall. Uh, usually operating in layer 3 and layer 4. It's very IP, IP-centric. Mm-hmm. Uh, usually uh, regulates traffic coming on certain point from certain IP to certain IP, mm-hmm. and based on the predefined rules, allows or disallows traffic. When mm-hmm. Web application firewall is a little bit more intelligent. It is looking into a layer 7 protocols right. and being able to stop uh, at the attacks which are exploiting particular... Uh, application vulnerabilities.
0: Okay. So, so a traditional firewalls like your bouncer on the front door of the nightclub, and he's sitting there and he says, "If your name's not down, you're not coming in." Whereas with a WAF, we're talking about something a little bit more intelligent.
1: <laughs> <laughs> Someone who knows you, so they can put you to the list. Yeah. Oh, yeah. okay,
0: cool um okay, so let's imagine then so we're we're going to use this thing we're we're going to do more of a defense in depth I suppose is kind of we've we've had that reference before mm-hmm. when we had Danny on and we were talking about security in the yep. previous episode um so I'm thinking about okay, now I've got my firewalls, and we're going to have some form of web application firewall, and some other security things. Where in my stack am I actually going to put this web application firewall where do Where do I want to stop these bad guys
2: uh it depends i I personally believe that. Sooner you stop it, then better, mm-hmm. uh, because you take problem further away from your infrastructure, uh-huh. sure. and you save yourself also in processing the traffic, the bad traffic, which you don't want pro- to be processing. Of course. Uh, so if we, if we go back to our previous episode when we spoke about uh, CDN, a lot of CDN offerings now bundle web application services or web application firewall services delivered to you as a service, as a part of your general CDN solution as well.
0: So, CDNs, so for anybody who hasn't heard the previous episodes, there's a content delivery network. So the likes of Akamai or Cloudflare or Encapsa or these kind of organizations you have uh, ways of delivering that traffic for you. Okay, cool.
2: So uh, the often cost-effective and easy way of implementing that layer security is to bundle that with mm-hmm. already likely existing uh, CDN distribution. Mm-hmm. Uh, Of the web application.
0: So you're already basically you're saying you're already doing something with that traffic external to your platform. So why not start putting in layers of security out there, and then at that point you're avoiding uh, the bad guys actually even getting anywhere near the platform. Because if you can drop that dodgy traffic long before it even hits your platform, you've saved money, you save effort. Um, But what happens though is, I mean, what what happens if a bad guy is able to work out where your back-end platform is? Is there a good way that we could implement a, a, a web application firewall? And avoid those kind of things.
2: Uh, we can, we can, we can. Firstly, we can we can lock traffic mm-hmm. uh, to a certain certain origin, mm-hmm. so we can we can protect our our application by listening only to trusted sources. Okay. So, yeah. uh, if we were to implement web application firewall in the cloud, mm-hmm. as a likely of as you said, cloudflare, sure. Akamai, and other yep. other providers, then we can on our on our traditional firewall we can lock. Down traffic to only
1: ah, the from old traffic. whitelist blacklist.
0: Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's so all back to basics. Not from the, basics, basics, not from the provider. You don't get in regardless. Ah, that's very good.
1: Yeah, I guess you can also lock on ports. So where you would do HTTPS uh, on certain p- traffic on the on the WAF side, you can masquerade or you hide your public IP at your port side, so no one get to know of it. Mm.
0: Okay, cool. So, uh, I mean, we've, we've talked there about um, all the, cl- the cloud possibilities of doing this. Um, how else can we achieve a, a web application firewall then?
2: Uh, the other option uh, is more traditional option when mm-hmm. we can install a physical uh, WAF appliance, web right. application firewall within uh, within our data center. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's... It, it's got benefits over the Cloud Dwarf as well and the Cloud has got benefits over this. So it really is specific to the application mm-hmm. and uh, in a sort of application the way we want to implement and mm. it, specific to the environment. And some of the benefits of the cloud solution is the elasticity. Uh, mm. It's easier to deploy potentially with a couple of clicks. Yep. Uh, the benefits of the physical appliance is uh, customization. Usually you can... Uh, customize it more uh, right. so I guess
0: it's, a, it's almost like back to the usual cloud thing isn't it like with a lot of cloud platform services applications you accept maybe not being able to customize things quite to the same extent but you're then making most of the effort of doing that somebody else's problem and you're de-risking that for yourself yeah um,
1: and also uh, as Thomas you mentioned earlier you're pushing it as far away as possible which helps potentially with security yeah and we're talking about security mm-hmm. so they're talking about if you talk about zero day exploits and thomas you can you can go into more detail I think a WAF is really a good utility when you do, when you can't get time to fix your solution and you can protect against zero day exploits
2: yeah that, that is very good point uh we've said that WAF protects from the application vulnerabilities which are often the known vulnerabilities mm-hmm. so someone could could argue how about fixing vulnerabilities in the first place hmm uh
0: it, it, but it, I don't it, like patching my applications very often you see. Mm. It's, a,
2: it, it's a it's it's a very valid, it's a valid point again because in my yes. Said. but <laughs> sometimes uh, we sometimes uh, the attacks or the vulnerabilities are exploited before they are publicly known. Right. right. Or sometimes vendors are aware of the or, or the exploit and p- or vulnerabilities and before they make it to a public knowledge. Of and they notify web application firewall providers, ah. who can deploy a zero-day fix before the vulnerability is publicly known.
0: Oh, cool! I mean, have you got any examples of where, that, where that's happened?
2: Uh, that was the, the known WordPress attack as well.
0: Ah, uh, I remember that. That was really we well, That was like about eighteen months, a couple of years ago.
2: It was yes. So uh, before, uh, so so the the, the the policies to stop were rolled across the WAF. Uh, WAF uh, solutions, right? Before the vulnerability was known.
0: Uh, so in other words, if you had a if you had a WAF sat in front of your WordPress, you didn't get hacked, and if you didn't, you were one of the what, one and a half million people or whatever it was, or yep. one and a half million sites that got pwned in a day. Yep. Mm-hmm. There you go. Okay. Cool. Um. Right. So we talked about um web application firewalls, and we can do this, you know, out on the edge, out in the cloud. We can do it inside the data center. Um, so, and we also referenced defense in depth being a key thing. So, I think in the start of the show, um, Sai was talking about IDSs, so intrusion oh, yeah. detection systems. What's the what? What's the difference between that, or is is that similar to a web application firewall? Um, would you Would you want to use both at the same time, or not?
2: That's, that's a question I am I am often being asked. By uh, by my customers, Ah. shall I buy WAF or shall I buy (laughs) IDS? And uh, my answer to that is uh, to get both. Yeah, Yeah. Uh, and it's not because I'm a I'm a good car salesman.
1: (laughs) (laughs) Uh, Exactly. And then you go and ask the question: Do you want to play CDs or do you want to play cassettes in your car? (laughs) (laughs) That's what it sounds like. (laughs) It's because because they both
2: intend to do different things. Sure. Uh, uh, but uh, we've already said that WAF is, spe- is ta- specifically protecting web-exposed applications. Mm-hmm. Web applications when the IDS uh, works around all other protocols, not only web-exposed applications. Okay. Uh, we can use IDS to... Uh, to look into our traffic patterns, going west mm-hmm. to east as well, mm-hmm. not only north to south for the, for the firewall, yep. etc. Operates in a different layer. IDS operates in layer three and four as well. Mm-hmm. Yep. Uh, so there are two different things, two different layers of security, two different mechanisms of reporting. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Uh, uh, so definitely we should be looking into both.
1: I think it's probably you can summarize saying, you know that the same bouncer example, if you go back to it, mm-hmm. Uh, what IDS does for layer 4, well, a combination of IDS and IPS does for layer 4, mm-hmm. your WAF does for layer 7. Would that be a fair thing to say?
2: Yes, yes, because WAF can proactively stop, not only report on. Perfect, mm-hmm. yeah.
1: So, yeah, we've always seemed to forget the IPS side of the things.
0: Yeah, I think uh, the, the the fun and games, and I suppose this probably this applies with WAF as well, um, when you start implementing these kind of security measures one of the big challenges is often false positives. That's it. Um, so the interesting bit with when you first enable a WAF or when you first enable an IDS or an IPS or whichever you're going to use um, is trying to get a, have the application, or sorry, have the security platform try to understand what a typical yep. traffic pattern looks like and only after at least, say, a couple of weeks of training it in effect, then you start to enable any of the proactive blocking measures or... Um, the actual alerting, because otherwise you're, there's a pretty good likelihood you turn this thing on and all of a sudden, absolutely. like a Christmas tree, all the lights go on.
1: <laughs> well, then you've got to make a decision. Yeah. Guilty until proven innocent yeah, or innocent until proven guilty.
0: Oh, no, we're going to get into a whole political conversation <laughs> oh, here. Oh, no, no, no. We're just going <laughs>
1: to go. We're to go straight back to AF, my friend. <laughs> <laughs> yeah,
2: uh, just to add to what you said, Alex, it's absolutely spot on. We, we've got the abilities to log and report mm-hmm. rather than stop. Mm-hmm. And we should always use that in the first time, which we can call the benchmarking period. We can call it the right. learning period, just so the security can actually understand the behavior around the application, yep. what's good, what's bad. Mm-hmm. And then we can start putting configurations in place. Yeah. Mm-hmm.
1: And I, I think we should also remember that, as the name suggests, it's a web application firewall. So you're focusing the protection on HTTPS, HTTP protocols. Yeah not necessarily protocols that are outside of it. Mm. So you you still need to cover security policies for non-web-based traffic. And your WAF is not going to do anything for non-web-based traffic.
0: So if I was foolish enough to have my SSH hanging out on the same IP address as my primary web front end, and I'm just basically inviting people to come and try and attack the front door, but my WAF's not going to help me there.
1: Nope, you start praying. (laughs)
0: wow praying that is a i wouldn't say that was my first security (laughs) methodology for defense in depth
1: well you you should stop the ssh but since you opened it (laughs) stop praying my fault
0: (laughs) (laughs) okay cool um right so we have our cdn that we've talked about in the previous episode we have our web application firewall we have Uh, Potentially we're using some form of an IDS on the backend platform to look for further intrusions in the, in the platform. Um, So, but there are other kinds of attacks that we haven't necessarily talked about. Um, What about the script kiddies who love, you know, spamming my site with, uh, you know, thousands and thousands of hits at the same time. (laughs) It's
1: the dawn of the DOS attacks, isn't it? Yeah. Uh, Yes. So
2: uh, we've, We've got two other sort of types of modern attacks which can be used against our our applications, our infrastructure. Uh, it's a DDoS, mm-hmm. a distributed denial of service attack, mm-hmm. which is a which is a which is a huge topic. it's going to cover, but also uh, we've got uh, another type of attacks which is often omitted. Or it's just like a bot type of attacks. Okay. Yep. And uh, I just want to quickly talk about that because it's an additional layer on the top of the WAF, mm-hmm. uh, which can provide a protection. The problem with WAF is, is that WAF is very IP-centric. Yep. Mm-hmm. And the WAF is not designed to spot or the difference or to to be able to tell whether certain attacks are human attacks mm-hmm. or are bot-driven attacks. Okay. So often, again, as another application or as another security layer, we can talk about bot attacks, mm-hmm. which uh, which can stop distributed bot attacks and can go above being IP-centric. Okay. So that could be deployed, again, in addition to, uh, to web application firewall. Uh, an example of that, bot attack could be just a brute force password attack.
0: Ah, uh, yeah. My wife's not necessarily going to realize that uh, somebody's trying to brute force the password, yep. but actually if you have a, some form of bot management in place, then it's going to recognize that kind of activity. Hmm, interesting. Okay. And then, um, you know, these kind of, you, you mentioned around the the volumet- well, I suppose volumetric kind of an attack when... Well, let's take it back a step. What's the difference between a DOS attack and a DDoS attack?
2: Uh, DOS attack uh, is denial of service, which is usually uh, origin centric. Right. Yep. Well, distributed denial of service, it's a distributed attack where there are multiple multiple sources. Yeah. Of Of origin
0: Ah, okay
2: often these days uh, I'm sure everyone heard the name of a botnet Uh, Mm -hmm. when you've got a big uh, big network or infected hosts or devices it could be in an IOT devices Mm -hmm. it could be computers with a malware uh, which are controlled by the bad boys and can be used to issue attacks to bring certain sites down in a distributed
1: manner. Absolutely, okay. I'd say. I'd say when you think about DDoS, think about zombie attacks. Uh huh. That's what it effectively is, because all the other machines that are attacking you, sometimes they don't even know that yeah. they're actually sending a DDoS attack.
0: Especially if it's your fridge, I've not seen that many fridges you realize that they've turned into zombies. Before.
1: Oh, we're now going to the IoT zombie world. <laughs> now, <laughs> coming back to DDoS, yes, coming back to DDoS, we talked about. Denial of service, d- distributed denial of service. I mean, traditionally, I've only heard of ping as denial of uh, service. Yeah. Mm-hmm. You know, I've heard uh, a machine is sending a lot of ping commands, obviously. Nowadays, we switch off ping uh, on the endpoint devices and things like that. But what are the other types, Thomas? What what have you seen? Uh, yes,
2: yeah, so generally, we can classify DDoS attacks into three types of categories. Uh, we've got volume-based attacks. Uh, we've got protocol attacks, mm-hmm. and we've got application layer attacks. Okay. And they all use slightly different techniques and different tools, and they aim to do different types of damage. Right. And they target it into st- different portion of infrastructure. So starting with the volume-based attacks, it's a brute force attack in a way that ide- the idea is to saturate the bandwidth in front of the application. So I'll be sending a lot of UDP flood packets or uh-huh. ICMP things to to saturate the bandwidth and to make system unusable. That's in, in a very short... Okay. With protocol attacks... So I'm, uh,
0: I'm just spamming the bejesus out of you is basically what you think. <laughs> yeah, uh,
2: and I'm ignoring you. <laughs> <laughs> Okay. Yeah, the the protocol attacks, like, uh, like I said, uh, an example of that could be pink, okay. pink of death, uh, is one of those, or Smur- Smurf DDoS attack, right? Uh, and Smurf
0: DDoS attack. DDoS attack. Oh yes. Now that's a new one on me. I, I genuinely have never heard of that. What is a Smurf DDoS attack?
2: When you go all blue, that's the Smurf DDoS. <laughs> uh, it's quite interesting because this is where we are using the network broadcast addresses. Right so we are issuing uh so we are issuing uh, uh we are issuing the we are conducting the broadcast address mm-hmm. so we are can spoof the source address contact okay. the broadcast address which will then all computers around would respond to us
0: right okay
2: uh, automatically flooding us
0: oh right oh so you're using the target network to attack itself correct wow that's quite that's impressive.
1: amazing zombies create more zombies. <laughs>
0: yeah I'm just thinking of Papa Smurf now <laughs> I'm not going to be able to get that out of my head for the rest of the show okay yes. so we've got we've got these uh these protocol attacks, right cool, and then you mentioned application layer attacks
2: uh yes so uh when with protocol attacks we usually try to target the intermediate uh intermediate infrastructure mm-hmm. uh there could be saturation of load balances uh aggregator switches okay. something like that. With the application layer attack, we are typically targeting, uh, 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 let's say, a web server, which which hosts our website, Mm -hmm. uh, by having issuing the legitimate uh, commands and legitimate get post requests Mm -hmm. from the website to actually putting an extra... So I'm
0: pretending that I'm real traffic, but in reality, I'm just spamming your site. Correct, yes. Oh, okay. And all of these is effectively one way or another is going to take down the site through the quantity of traffic that's hitting it. Uh,
2: yes. Uh, 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 it, in short, yes, uh, it will. It may bring another different part of the infrastructure down. Mm-hmm. Uh, but as we know, if you, as we know, if you, uh, if you, you need to protect the whole uh, whole infrastructure. Mm-hmm. Yeah, um, that,
1: that's a good point actually, because that that very nicely relates to. Our conversation around the CDN piece, because if you if you remember, we we were talking about CDN caching being m- much closer to the endpoint than the web servers. So when you do a get attack or, or an application attack on a website, mm-hmm. you're actually attacking the CDN. Yes. You're not really forcing the attack on the on the server. So using a CDN and then using a WAF to to filter out the the actual attacks, you probably can get away by blocking DDoS application level attacks. Yep. Yeah. Uh, yes, and a denial of service protection,
2: DDoS, uh, mm-hmm. it's again very often often bundled as a service mm-hmm. uh, by CDN providers, so it all nicely come together.
0: So I've I've always found it really interesting. So there's there's a, all the different providers seem to provide kind of different levels of service with that some of them will be like volume based so they say oh, you know like a, yeah. we'll protect up to a gig of traffic or 10 gig of traffic or 50 gig of traffic the one that i found most interesting um, about that was um, there are certain times when we might attack a certain part of the infrastructure with what looks to be a big attack but is actually small enough of an attack just to overwhelm that part of the infrastructure so that you can then actually get on to another part of the infrastructure so one of the things we were talking about earlier on was those physical appliances. Mm. Certain security appliances are designed to either fail open or fail closed, and Ouch. occasionally DDoS attacks will be designed just enough to send enough traffic to cause these devices to fail open. So you then send through your actual payload, which yep. is to go to attack the backend infrastructure. So that's a that's a really interesting point. So DDoS doesn't just have to be about these massive, you know, what was the what was the recent one one point two? Oh, the the GitHub one. Yeah. Yeah. So so those kind of volumetric attacks, they oh, don't absolutely. necessarily, a DDoS attack doesn't have to be that big. It could just be sending a few gig of traffic just enough to overwhelm those security devices and then yeah. actually send in your proper and, attack.
1: And funny enough on that, and we're not going to go too deep into it, but it actually forms as part of an advanced persistent threat. Mm-hmm. So if you have an advanced persistent threat actor in mm-hmm. your system, they might introduce a DDoS attack to divert attention while they... Get into other parts of the system mm-hmm. internally,
0: like setting fire to the bins while you're breaking in the back door. Pretty
1: yeah. much, and <laughs> <Unless laughs> yeah. if you if you put a lot of paper in your bins, yeah,
2: <laughs> uh, yeah I, w- I was about to say that, but often is that destruction technique as well. Mm-hmm. Uh, uh, as we're gonna put put a on an application, let everyone worry about that while we use a back some of the back door mm-hmm. Uh, mm-hmm. to to do a real threat mm-hmm. yeah. uh, as a smoke curtain. Yep, type of
0: thing. Maybe even uh, when you're when you're exfiltrating data, I suppose, as well, because you've got Absolutely. all this traffic going on, it's going to be a lot harder for t- people to see data disappearing out the front door. That's right. So uh, we, there, there are all these different kinds of attacks that we could potentially be impacted by. Now, the technical impacts we've talked through, but I think we actually have somebody here who cares a little bit more about other things as well. I'm not saying that she's not interested in all this technical speak that we we're on about, but, um, Carolina, um, what what's the impact of an organization... Uh, from uh, from from your perspective, if if they get impacted by one of these attacks.
3: Sure. So I work for marketing. And if you ever had to do anything with marketing, you'll know that um, we operate on the basis of call to actions with our uh, marketing programs. So there is one certain date within your quarter, within a month that you're going to launch a promotion. You're going to release a code. You're Mm -hmm. going to release uh, a webinar, for instance, Mm -hmm. or a landing page. And majority of traffic comes to site or to application on that particular day of launch. Mm -hmm. Or that might be even your only day when something is happening. Prior to that day, however, you're spending a lot of money to drive traffic to that page. So you're warming the audience up. You're Mm -hmm. spending a lot of money on paid media, on social media, maybe on some out-of-home advertising. Mm -hmm. And none of it is cheap. All of that is really, really expensive. Mm -hmm. And then imagine that you have that, Webinar, digital event, or you're releasing the promo code, which is supposed to work exactly on that day, mm-hmm. and your website is down.
0: Yeah. You've so just taken yeah. a huge amount of money and flushed it down the toilet. Exactly. <laughs> Ouch.
3: So, <laughs> so, yeah, so, depending on how much budget your company usually has, that the marketing campaign can cost really anything from like 10,000 pounds up to even hundreds or millions. Mm-hmm.
0: So it can be really quite significant. So I suppose it's a bit like the old accounting thing, isn't it? You know, some systems are less critical for 29 days a month, and on the 30th day of the month, if it's down. Yep. You could yeah. you could be causing a significant impact to your business. But I suppose the other side of that is 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 brand, isn't it?
3: Oh yeah, it's absolutely. We've talked about uh, this on a previous episode as well, uh, where Wellby was mentioning what the users actually want to um, get from us as, as a company. So they want to get an available service, right? Mm-hmm. So in case of marketing, they want to make sure that their code, if they have a promotional code, is going to work. So they actually going to receive their 20% off Mm -hmm. or that they can actually listen to the webinar or to a podcast episode, anything Mm -hmm. really. So if I'm not going to deliver that, they're going to not trust me with my next and next campaign. Mm -hmm. So not only will I lose money on that particular program, but then the next quarter when I'm releasing the next one, I will have this kind of feeling of... You know <laughs> people not trusting me mm-hmm. not coming to my webinar because they'll think, "Well, these guys don't really deliver the quality. my mm-hmm. code didn't work, my thirty percent didn't convert at the checkout, mm-hmm. so I had to uh, wait until the next day yep. and it didn't work. I had to buy it for full price or I didn't buy it yep. at all
0: yeah uh, so that I mean that's that that brand reputation thing is a massive thing and and if you look at um defacement type things as well um that can be even worse on top of that, um, you know, you look at some of the large brands who've had defacements of recent, recent times or even brands where they've gotten even further and they've been stealing corporate data from the back end of these systems because quite often uh, organizations will connect their web-facing infrastructure to their back end internal platforms and then you've all, all of a sudden you've opened up a, an even further world of pain if, uh, if somebody's actually managed to make a breach based on the fact that you don't have a sufficient level of security in place.
3: Oh yeah, I've read so many times about um, some examples where where people were just completely changing the marketing message
0: mm.
3: on companies' uh, Twitter on companies' <laughs> website. <laughs> oh,
0: that sounds go. like fun, actually. Oh yes. no, it shouldn't be said. I mean, you know,
3: it is fun, but when it happens to you, it, it's Not so it's just awful, mm. and it's unpredictable as well because uh, you know you can, as we were talking on the last episode, you can predict more or less. Um, when the site is going to be available on the basis of your setup. But this is unpredictable when mm. somebody decides to actually attack you.
0: Mm.
3: So yeah. you cannot even sometimes pull the campaign back to save a little bit of money.
0: Yeah. And to, to size point there, the interesting thing about advanced persistent threats these days is historically they used to be, I mentioned script kiddies earlier on, you know, yeah. historically we used to have a lot of script kiddies. Nowadays it's becoming commercial, it's becoming international, you know, it's country on country, but it could also be, um, shall we say, dubious company on on other company. A prime example in the marketing case would be deliberately trying to undermine somebody else's campaign. So yeah. there's, a, there's a lot of uh, interesting activities going on, on the, out there on the internet these days. <laughs> interesting is the key word there. Yeah, Got to be really careful what I say here. <laughs>
1: <laughs> yeah, thanks for that, Kali. I think that gives a good perspective uh, from a marketing side in terms of how brand is affected. Uh, but let's talk about revenue as well. We have we have customers who come to us who run e-commerce websites and a DDoS attack for them is a huge loss of business. What are your thoughts, Samash? Uh, that's absolutely right, Sai. Uh, brand reputation
2: is hugely important and if damage, uh, that can cost a lot of money to the organization. But direct revenue loss when the e-commerce website is down in a big... Mm-hmm. trading period mm-hmm. it's a completely different story mm-hmm. uh if you imagine having a busy e-commerce website down on a black friday mm-hmm. or cyber monday when you, when your trades supposed to hit the roof that is a big problem
1: wow yeah that is a huge problem
0: yeah i mean it, we to, again we mentioned i mentioned the accounting thing but it's the same thing with this you know you some organizations will do Three quarters of their revenue for the year in in the space of a, a matter of a few days over the course of that year. So any downtime during that period not only loses on revenue at that particular time, but actually might lose custom to um, you know alternative providers because people then go, well, if I can't trust to go and buy that stuff at that point, uh, I'll just buy it from somebody else. Yeah.
1: Yeah. Absolutely. Okay. Um, I think that's all the time we have today. Uh, thanks so much. Thanks, Carolina. Thanks for uh, for jumping in and giving us uh, a lot of information. Uh, just wanted to close this episode with a, with a, an interesting article in terms of news. Uh, and uh, uh, w- recently came across a lot of we re- we come across DDo- DDoS information, uh, websites that have been DDoSed and mm-hmm. attacks that happen. But uh, g- something good happened. So y- there's a there's a there's a consortium called Europol, uh-huh. which is kind of like um, Interpol but focusing on. Web technologies and security for the internet and security for the data—they uh, took down uh, DDoS for higher websites. <laughs> so, which is which is amazing because they effectively—it well, doesn't say in detail, but it sounds like they effectively DDoS the DDoS for higher websites. Ah, oh, DDoS
0: Inception, <laughs> I love it. Uh,
1: so, amazing. DDoS for a good use, uh, I'd say. <laughs> uh, but that, thats the news article. We'll put the link in the in the in the link show notes. Awesome. I'm going to have to check yeah, out one out. Myself, absolutely. Please. Yeah. Uh, so that's all the time we have. So Alex, uh, Tomas, and Karina, thank you for your time today. It was great talking about RAF and DDoS. And uh, just wrapping that up, guys. If you, as you hear this, if you need to know any feedback, if you want to talk to us more about. DDoS and WAF about what you're going through or any stories that you have about how you've been experiencing this, let us know. Uh, tweet us, share us. You can email us. Um, we'll put our links in the show notes so you can you know where to get hold of us. And uh, yeah, absolutely. Let us know what you thought about the episode. Thank you very much. and Have a nice day.